Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. And as promised in the last episode, we're going to change up the format a little bit right now. I've got my co-host with me right now. I'm going to call him the co-host with the most. It's Al Escobedo. What's happening, Chris? Al, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Let's, <laughs> let's talk some perch, baby. We're going to talk some perch today. We had you on the show as a guest a few times and uh, excited to have you on now as a co-host. But uh, yeah, right now we're sitting out here. It's uh, late April, mid to late April. Uh, it's snowing outside. We're sitting in the fish house right now just to do the show and uh, took it out a little, doing a little hunting with it this weekend. Now we're going to sh- record some shows in it, but we're looking out the window and it's snowing outside. The ice has been long gone in our neck of the woods, but uh, kind of kind of has a feel of an ice fishing day today yeah it definitely does the old uh, mother nature took the ice away from us a little too soon this year so a little sad there but you know what as everything else life goes on we uh we can just start getting ready for next year i was ready to break out the shorts i had basically put all the long pants away and uh ready to break out the shorts for the year but it looks like I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer yeah i would advise against that especially like you said it's snowing out and it is absolutely cold out there <laughs> i i got out of my house to go start the car and i wanted to go right back in and lay in bed so <laughs> it's supposed to be turkey season right now we should be thinking about that but it's just that weather just isn't isn't right for them yeah a little cool out there but uh it leads us into kind of what we're talking about today and that's early season perch fishing we're going to be talking about lots of topics kind of off-season topics but i know people don't want to just listen to off-season topics in june they still like to talk a little fishing uh so we're going to be doing kind of a little mix some off-season topics and some fishing topics so today we're going to be talking early season perch fishing and really the reason that got me excited about it is i was up on winnebagosh uh about a month month and a half ago and just pounded them up there and if you've never been perch fishing on winnie it's it's pretty amazing i mean a lot of a lot of great fish i mean we caught a lot of 13 14 inch type of perch i mean like walleye size perch and uh it's hard to find those in, in a lot of places but uh it got me excited about perch fishing again it's been a long time since i've been excited about perch fishing because it seems like when i catch them they're all the eight or nine inch variety but uh we were able to find some big ones up on, on Winnebagosh, and uh, it was it was a great time. And I'm excited about uh, getting out on the water this fo- this fall and winter uh, to go and try to chase some of those down again. You're a guy that's uh, done some perch fishing in this local kind of metro area as well, and yep. um, you're a guy that, that knows how to track these things down. What are you looking for when you're looking for a, a place to go perch fishing? Well, I mean, the big thing is, is when you're talking extreme early ice, it's obviously tough to access the whole lake. So you're looking for just shoreline related structures, weed lines inside, outside, um, any transition, the bottom content, that sort of thing. Um, and you just got to you got to be willing to put in a little bit of work to find the perch because them schools are moving so much. But you can definitely find some really good perch fishing here in the metro. And then obviously, like you said, some of those big lakes across the state um offer some great great opportunities as well as you know western states um i've been fortunate enough to go up to superior and on the canadian side and experience black bay 
um, perch fishing up there, which was even a little more different. But I mean, there's a lot of great perch fishing all over around us. Uh, you just gotta be willing, like I said, to, to get out and search for them because them schools are moving. But once you get on them, in my opinion, there's not a fish that tastes better and they're just a ton of fun to catch, you know. Even even when you get into them small ones, they, they put up a pretty good fight. Yeah, and the, the cool thing about perch too is uh, you usually don't have to work real hard to get them to bite. Exactly. <laughs> yep. The, the, like I said, the hard part is finding them and then the catching them, as long as you can get your bait down there nice and fast, usually you can, can get them to eat. I mean, obviously, like any other fish, uh, weather pressure weather systems play a factor in that sunnier days especially early in the year um that light penetration is is very key and definitely fires them up a little bit more than as opposed to the overcast or low pressure days so you're saying they like the high pressure day they like the sun they like the sun they they really do very cool all right well the other thing that you brought up there was getting that bait down quickly so how are you doing that what are you using to to get down into the strike zone quickly um, for the most part, I mean, like you said, they're they're really not a finicky fish, so um, you can use a, a, a large variety of different baits and lures. Um, you're talking spoons, tungstens, pretty much anything you would use for walleyes or even, you know, some of the other panfish um, work great. It's The big thing is just always being ready and being quick. Um, I use I usually, when I'm going specifically for perch fishing, I usually have a couple of rods set up with different tack different baits on them i'll have a spoon and then i'll have a small tungsten um and i just kind of have them ready at the same time so a lot of the time like i said when that school gets under you you have to keep a bait in front of them that's where fishing with a partner really really helps out or fishing in a group because at least someone always has a bait down there if you have school underneath you and your bait's gone for too long they're they're moving so um that's why i like to keep two rods sometimes i'll just catch a fish and then set that rod down drop the next one down obviously if it's a small fish or you're gonna throw it back or anything like that you take care of the fish right away and get it back in the water but um you just try and be as quick and as efficient when it comes to catching the perch as you can i mean them schools move through you try and knock as many of them into your bucket as you can and then you you're back to the waiting for that school to cruise around while they make their little little circle and and work their way back to you but if you can keep them interested and keep them on the food they'll stay there for a while um but back to the lures i mean i really i really do a lot more finesse fishing for pretty much everything i fish for um i'm usually a, a a three to four mil tungsten guy on on most everything um for the perch profiles i i like the little more buggy type stuff not so much the minnows i know a lot of guys use minnows and have great success um but i'm i'm more of a looking for those bugs the different kind of nymphs and stuff like that as far as plastics goes and then just like anything else minnow heads um your your waxies or your euro larvas are are great options for for catching perch yeah we were out there uh, again on winnebagasha not too long ago and we were fishing with with real small buckshot spoons with minnow heads and it's like you said it's basically the same rig that you use for walleye fishing uh just kind of the, the smallest smallest size that we could get but uh you know real ferocious eaters you know? Yeah, exactly. it didn't matter what you dropped down there but like you said though um 
you know, the fish are moving and they're they're moving around a lot. And we were actually out there with a pretty good sized group. So we had a lot of lines down in each area. And that's that's exactly what would happen is you, you'd put the line down, you'd be banging a bunch of them, and then all of a sudden, nothing. It, it would just go to zero after a while. And basically, those fish are just always moving. And one of the things I know you like to do a lot, and it was something that we ended up, you know, you have to do, is I'll bet you we drilled 300 holes that day. I mean, and it wasn't like we were searching and going all over the place. It was just literally just almost like a pie. You know, we just kept... Finding a pattern and figuring out which way they're moving. That's really the best thing to do there. Yep. So go out there if you're planning on doing this and, and plan on drilling holes. If, you, if you're the guy that, that's that got a kind of an inefficient auger, um, you might want to look at getting a different auger if you want to do this because the fish do move. They're running around. They're, they're um, you know, they're just roaming. They're, we were out on a mud flat, and that's something that a lot of people are, are, are doing. But like you said, in the early season, it is a little bit different. You're fishing weeds. How is it different fishing wheat, fishing those perch and weeds than it is out on like a big mud flat like that? Um, it seems like when you're fishing shallower water, they tend to hold a little bit tighter to the structure. And that's why I personally like to, to target them earlier in the early in the year versus later in the year when they're when they're really roaming those big basins, you know, really getting filled up with bloodworms and all the other type of invertebrates that live down there. Um, but with that weed structure, if you can find the structure or the, the brake lines where you got a nice solid weed line with a transition to rocks, transition from rocks to gravel, transition from gravel to muck, I mean, anything where you're getting a big change along with a nice solid weed line, it's going to hold the fish there a lot longer than if they're just roaming, kind of sucking up what's on the bottom as they go. Um, but the other good thing about perch, you know, is that is they do have pretty decent eyesight, so they can you can call them in from a, a long ways away to come and check you out. So that's another thing to kind of keep in keep in mind is especially when you're fishing, like you said, those little spoons and stuff. That's going to give you a little bit more flash, a little bit bigger profile. They can see it, and usually they're pretty curious, and they'll come over and check it out. How about colors? What do you like for colors when you're not doing this? Um, my favorite color for fishing for perch is little perch. That, that's what I almost always use, whether it's a spoon or a, a small a small jig. Other than that, I'm, I'm kind of a gold, um, maybe something with a little bit of red glow in it. Um, but that, I mean, really for pretty much most fishing that you're going to, that I do, it's either gold, red glow, or, you know, a, a, a pretty standard looking or realistic looking color pattern on a spoon you're you're kind of a tackle nerd too i know you're you're big into specialty rods and stuff like that what do you like i mean if you're going to go out and, and pull something out of your arsenal for perch what is kind of the rod that you're looking for what are you looking for as far as um you know uh, strength and, and and action when you're going perch uh, when I'm going perch, it all depends on the tactic that's working for that day as to which rod I'm going to use, obviously, just like anything else. When I'm using, when I'm fishing, you know, minnow heads or, you know, the spoon, something a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, you obviously want something a little bit stiffer. You're looking more of like your your just standard um, power noodle type rod. You start getting into your finesse bites with your small tungstens. Um, my, my personal favorite rod is the inhaler by Elliot with the little built-in spring bobber, but you can, can get into those, some of those precision noodles and stuff like that, that are really key, um, 
to detecting the bite. So really matching the bait to the rod that you're using. The heavier the bait, you want to use a little bit stiffer rod, but not too stiff where you can still detect the bite, whether it's feel or visual, depending on the type of fisherman you are. And then obviously when you go to them little baits, you, you still want to keep a little bit of weight on that rod so you can visually see the bite and that you can uh, you can also feel it as well. How about line? What are you what are you using for line when you're perch fishing? Um, I use fluorocarbon for most everything I do. Um, some cases I'll use mono, but I'm usually about a two to four pound test. When, I, when I'm fishing perch, I generally go to the higher, where like if I'm fishing bluegills or sunfish, I, I tend to, like I said, I'm a finesse guy, so I tend to stay at the low end of that just for visibility purposes. But when you're fishing perch, like you said, there's so much like a walleye. I mean, there's always a really good chance of catching walleyes. And especially when you start getting into some of the bigger perch, they fight like like a walleye. So you, I usually jump to that four pound when it comes to the perch and like I said, a fluorocarbon. Um, I'm not real brand specific personally, but I've tried a lot of different ones. Um, you know, the, the tri-lanes, the, the frost lines from Clam Outdoors and, and all those different lines. And I just, I think personally for me, I just want the poundage and something that doesn't twist up real bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. I was actually going to bring that point up. The nice thing about perch fishing is you, you're fishing in areas where walleyes often hang out, especially in the early season when you're in those weed areas, um, you know, I was talking about the Winnebagosh trip, but early in the year, I went to Minocqua, Wisconsin with my son, and we went out and did a little fishing out there, and we were, you know, this big, huge weed flat everybody was in. We got off of it and went where it, it dipped down a little bit, and we were right, like you said, we were right on the edge of that weeds, and we had perch and walleye all day. And one of the cool things about that was is we had our camera down, too. And the visibility wasn't great, but we could see what, at least what was happening. And you're seeing the perch and you're seeing the, the walleyes come through. How about you? Are you a camera guy when you're perch fishing? Or are you just a flasher guy? What are you using when you're out perch fishing for electronics? I'm mostly a flasher guy, again, for most things that I do, unless I'm scouting or searching. But, you know, there's, there's always an exception to that rule if, uh, you know, perfect examples. We're sitting in this beautiful wheelhouse here. Whenever I'm fishing in a wheelhouse, I like to have the camera down. Uh, most of them, you can hook them right up to the TV and you're watching exactly what's going on down below you. It makes things a little more exciting. Um, if I'm moving around a lot, obviously, you know, hole hopping a lot, then the, the camera becomes a little more difficult, but it's, de it's always a good tool to have because then you can see you can physically see how the fish are reacting to your bait. You can physically see what you're dealing with. You can, you know, when you when you get into some of these fishing situations, you can pull away from the little ones if you see a, a bigger one sitting on the screen. Um, obviously, you know, with, with your flash or as you kind of get a little more um, in tune with it, you can see a little bit of that, but the camera doesn't lie. It makes things a lot easier. Um, I... I personally think i mean when it comes to electronics your personal style of fishing is what becomes more important whether it's camera or flasher i got buddies that fish strictly camera don't even own a flasher and then obviously you know doing the tournaments i i see i get to see all spectrums of of what the guys are using but me personally i kind of switch it back and forth if i'm going to set up the shack if i'm out with the wife or something and you're going to spend the afternoon not running around chasing fish then the camera does make things a lot more exciting you know when they do come through to watch it 
yeah, you get to kind of see the action. The other cool thing about cameras, in my mind, when you're out and you're you're doing stuff like what we're talking about, um, you know, you can see on maps where it goes from mud to gravel or gravel to rock or whatever. But being able to drop that camera down and confirm that you're in yep. that spot is a big deal. Yep. And whether or not you want to fish with it down or not, that's that's your personal choice. But uh, being able to really pinpoint where those structure transitions are is really where that camera comes yep. in handy. Exactly. That transitions are key and that's not just for perch fishing i mean that's where a lot of them transitions are where a lot of them bugs are coming out there's a, a lot of travel corridors along those transitions so you're right find using that camera to find those transitions i mean you could be even though it's on the map you could be five feet off ten feet off but with that camera you can find exactly what you're looking for and that'll usually make the difference of a great day and a good day you know Exactly. The other thing we need to talk about, you know, we've been talking early season perch fishing. It kind of went into kind of all season perch fishing. But when we're talking early season, we also got to talk a little bit about ice safety and and not making a a move that maybe you shouldn't make and and testing the things as you go. Definitely. Um, Early ice ice safety is, is obviously very important. It's very key. Um, that's where spud bar float suit constantly checking the ice if you are fishing bigger bodies of water um, I mean we hear it every year on the Red Lakes the Mille Lacs the Lake of the Woods um, paying attention to wind direction if the, the ice isn't locked up depending on the body of water I mean you just really gotta if you're if you're looking to venture out in early ice you really just got to be willing to pay attention to conditions and really be careful about what you're doing you're not just grabbing the you know your your sled and all your fishing gear and just walking and going you're, you got your spud bar you're checking the ice constantly uh, if you get a big wind shift you're paying attention to to shifting of the ice that you're standing on i mean uh, that's really the biggest thing when you're talking perch i mean a lot of guys when you start talking about perch and you start thinking about perch a lot of people automatically gravitate towards those bigger bodies of water Mm -hmm. and early ice obviously just like any other fish species can be the best time of the year to get onto some of these fish but it's also can be the most dangerous so you just got to be really careful and and you know if you can go with someone who knows what they're doing who's been doing it for a long time and if you're new to the game but um checking ice and paying attention to weather conditions is is really in my opinion the most important thing and then obviously the gear like i said you want a spud bar for checking the ice as you're walking out um always go with someone else i bring a rope with me all the time with a throwable float tied to it um just i all i do is grab one of those cushions from the boat tie a rope to it and keep that in my sled in my four-wheeler whatever you know throughout the i really have that with me throughout most of the year um and then the float suits it's it's uh a lot of guys are switching to them um it's a little bit of an investment but you know what's your life worth to you these float suits are pretty amazing i mean unfortunately i've found my way through the ice a couple times and i can tell you the float suit definitely makes it a lot easier getting back out than than just a standard suit getting all soaked and and uh getting weighed down but I would say you're you're definitely right. I mean, paying attention and being cautious is is definitely a key there. 
Yeah, they're becoming more and more uh, affordable as well. So yep. I think that that cost factor is kind of going away as as the price points and these companies uh, like Eskimo have come out with, you know, a really affordable option for people because they want to get people in them. So yep, I think exactly. it's, that's kind of going away. Is there anything else about perch fishing that we haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about today? Um, there, there really isn't. I mean, I guess... Um, the biggest thing I would have to say is get out there and get after them, you know, be willing to drill holes like we said early and uh, have fun doing it. That's the most important part of the whole deal. And I think if you're new, the other point you brought up earlier that I really liked is if you're you're new to the game and, and there are a lot of new ice anglers out there, new people that are getting into the sport. Try to find somebody who has been out there and has done it that you can kind of learn from. One of the things, though, that, that I kind of want to caution people with so sometimes is sometimes when you get caught up with somebody who has experience and has been doing it maybe they're not doing it the right way maybe maybe they they're kind of old and set in their ways and maybe not doing uh things the most efficient way so go out learn from them but if you want to try something go and try something and, and maybe go out with with that person two or three times and then say i'm going to go by myself i want to try to experiment and try some different things too because sometimes when you when you get caught up fishing with someone who has experience you kind of get pigeonholed and in, into yep. doing things the way that they do it so i always think it's good to go out and try doing things your own way and, and try to learn some of those those lessons on your own as well exactly yep that's that's a great point as well well guys thanks for listening to the fish house nation podcast this time we'll be back next time with kind of an off topic off season uh podcast coming up should be interesting should be fun we'll have some more of those as the summer goes on because what what we've decided is that you know a lot of people that own these fish houses they don't use them anymore just to fish in. There's a lot of guys going out using them for camping, hunting, all that kind of stuff. Um, people enjoy the house for other things other than yanking up fish, even though that's the reason why we buy it. And that's the reason that uh, we used it as an excuse to buy the thing. But, uh, you know, what we're seeing is a lot of people are using it for a lot of different ways. So we want to start bringing up some of those topics and we'll have that next. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.